Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. I do want to encourage you to check out our advertising survey at adsurvey.greatdetectives.net. Please fill that out to answer a few questions to help us find the best possible match or sponsor for the podcast. And you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month, go to patreon.greatdetectives.net and receive a monthly newsletter as well as getting to choose our next summer series for the amazing world of radio. And if you become a Patreon supporter at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month, you can also gain access to our premium site and our premium extras. Uh, Check it all out over at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar Serial. So here from October 10th, 11th, and 12th of 1956 are episodes 3 through 5 of The Primrose Manor. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Hello. Hello. Hello, what's that? I, I can't quite hear you. This is Johnny Dollar. I'm phoning from a patrol phone, Forest Service, Summit Road. Okay, you're coming through now. Is that Lieutenant Mervin? Right. I should have known it was you. What are you doing up there in the mountains? Is this a manhunt or a vacation? Relax, Lieutenant. Before you use some words, you'll have to eat. Meeting? Call in your APB. I found that stolen car the Nitsen gang was using. Where? Up here in the Santa Rita Mountains, about a mile from Primrose Camp, Pop Bardell. Yeah, yeah, I know the place. They ran it off a cliff and started a rock slide to bury it. One of them's still in the car, dead, two bullet wounds. You must have hit him when they crashed your roadblock. That makes two dead. Leaves Jipper Nitson and one other one still on the loose. All right, Mr. Dollar, I'll have 50 men combing that area within an hour and a half. You will not. I what? There's something wrong at Bardell's place. You bring 50 state troopers in here, you may bust it wide open. Bust what wide open? That's what I'm trying to find out. <laughs> Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Santa Rita National Forest, Southern Arizona... To the home office, Mid-States Industrial Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Primrose Matter. Expense account continued. It took a lot of arguing to get Lieutenant Mervyn of the State Highway Police to hold his men off for 24 hours, but he finally gave in. $100,000. That was the amount of the insured payroll the Nitsen gang had got away with in Kansas City, killing two guards in the process. Later, they shot their way through a roadblock in southern Arizona, left a state trooper and one of the gang dead in the road behind them, and then disappeared. I was certain the answer was at Primrose Camp. Evening, Mr. Bardell. 
something else you forgot? No, I told you I'd stop on the way back down. Got a vacancy yet on one of those cabins? They're all rented. Oh, that's too bad. I I noticed they're dark, by the way, and there are still no cars parked in front of them. It don't signify. What do you suppose all your guests are? Lost back in the hills somewhere? Couldn't say. Now, if you... Maybe some of them went down to the highway for the night. I... I could turn the cabin back over to them if they happen to show up. When they're rented, they're rented. Makes no difference if the folks ain't here to use them. Well, that's true, I suppose, technically. But when a traveler's badly in need of a place for the night and you've got cabins standing empty... I told you before, it's better you go on down to the highways. Plenty of motels within a few miles of the junction. Well, that's exactly my trouble, Mr. Bardell. I can't. Why not? Because it's almost dark now and I haven't got any lights. What? Yeah, this is a rented car. I should have tried the headlights before I took it out, but I didn't. Now when I need them, they won't work. See? Uh, it's probably just a fuse blowed. Oh, it might be. Let me turn the flashlight up under the dash here. It won't take but a second to tell. Now what it is? Nope. Fuses seem to be all right. Broken wire, maybe. Hard to say. Oh, uh, think you might be able to fix it? No, no, it, it's a job for an electrician. I ain't got the equipment to trace it. Hey, is that your station wagon there at the side of the lunchroom? Why, yeah. Well, look, I'd be glad to pay you if you drive me down to where I can no, get No, 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 I, I can't. I, I can't leave here. Well, maybe your nephew could take me. Huh? The young fellow who was here this afternoon uh, when I came by. No, 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 he, he's not familiar with the road. I well, drove down and picked up the mail this morning, didn't he? How'd you know? Jake, down at the barn grill, have to mention it. Just who are you, anyway? Oh, I guess I did forget to introduce myself this afternoon. My name's Johnny Dollar, Mr. I've not done not your name. I mean, what are you up here for? Looking around, prospecting a little, seeing the country. Your nephew did go down for the mail, didn't he? But that was in the daylight. Look, you said you had a sleeping bag with you. It, it, it ain't cold tonight. Why don't you? Hey, just that's take a good it? idea. I can spread it out right there on the porch in front of your souvenir shop. No, no, I, I don't mean here. Down the road, someplace. <laughs> I, I don't quite understand your attitude, Mister Bardell. I, I've always understood you Westerners were noted for your hospitality. Well, it, it's just that it, it, it makes the missus nervous to, to have strangers around outside. And how am I supposed to get down the road someplace? I, I don't know. On foot, maybe? In the dark? In a strange country? Oh, when I tell Jake this, he won't believe it. No! No what? No, don't, don't say anything to Jake. He, he wouldn't understand. Well, neither do I. I can't do anything for you, Mr. Dollar. Just take my word for it now and, and, and go on before you cause more trouble and you What can... trouble, Uncle? What trouble are you talking about? Well, it, it's not trouble exactly. The, the lights is out on his car. He was just wanting me to put him up for the night. You have hard luck, don't you, mister? It kind of looks that way. I told him just like I did this afternoon. We ain't got no place for him. He'll, he'll have to find somewhere. We can take care of him, Uncle, as long as he's that anxious to stay. But you said... I said what? The, the cabins, they're, they're all rented. And it's not likely the people in number two will be back. He can use that one for the night. But, but You now... better go see if it's in shape, Uncle. Go on. All right. I I'll go look it. I'm uh, much obliged to you for changing his mind. That's okay. We wouldn't want you to go away and tell bad stories about us, would we? Might cause trouble. <laughs> Expect 
Expense account, item seven, five dollars. Payment in advance for one night's rent on cabin number two, Primrose Tourist Camp. The room and the bed were far from inviting, but it didn't matter much. I didn't look for any easy night's rest under the best of circumstances. Not with a feeling of tension and danger that hung over this place. And the almost certain knowledge that two desperate killers were only yards away from me. Mrs. Bardell, Pop's wife, took my payment for the room and made change in the lunchroom next door to the service station. I'll have to give you ones, Mr. Dollar. You've got a five-dollar bill. Oh, that's all right. There's two, three, four, and five. Want a receipt? No, no thanks. But I could sure stand something to eat. Well, I could cook you up some ham and eggs, I guess. Some coffee, if that'll do you. Sure, sure, fine. Only time I fix any regular meals, aside from short orders, when we got the cabins full. Then they're not full now, I take it, huh? No, not a soul. I mean, well, they're rented, of course, but the folks aren't eating here. Oh, I see. You want your eggs sunny side up? Yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. Must get kind of lonesome for you up here when the season slacks off. I got my man. And my daughter. How old is your daughter, Mrs. Bardell? Jenny was 20, month before last. Oh, well, I imagine she's a big help to you. Yes. She takes care of the souvenir shop on her own. Helps me here in the lunchroom when I get real busy. Yeah, I noticed a clothes sign on the door of the shop. Uh, is your daughter away at the present? No, she's... Um... Uh, she's not feeling well today. She's in her room. Oh, I hope it's nothing serious. No. She'll be all right. She's got to be. Then it is something serious. No. I I, I didn't mean it that way. It's nothing. Forget it. Well, look, if there's anything I can do... No, nothing. Forget I said anything, Mr. Dollar. You're going to want toast. I know. Bread will be fine. And there you are. Hope that's going to be enough for you. Yeah, plenty. Cream in your coffee? Black, please. Yeah. Ah, this looks great. You're a good cook, Mrs. Bardell. Ham and eggs don't prove nothing. Anybody can fix that. Oh, you'd be surprised. You'll be leaving in the morning, I suppose. Well, I'd like to stay several days, but I don't know whether your husband will let me have a cabin any longer. He can't help himself. He, he just can't help it. Why not? Well, he... The cabins are rented, that's all. When I put my stuff in number two, there was no sign of any other luggage. They, they took it all out. I was right there all the time, Mrs. Bardell. I mean earlier. Mr. Dollar, we're in terrible danger, all of us. You too. What kind of danger? I can't tell you. Please, if I talk about it, I'll go all to pieces. You don't know what it's like. I might be able to help you. If no. I... The only way you can help is to forget it, not ask any questions. This place is a powder keg. Don't do Anything to set it off. Please, Mr. Dollar. Item eight, a dollar and ten cents, one order of ham and eggs. Mrs. Bardell refused to say anything more, and I didn't try to force her to. She was shaking, cold sweat on her forehead, scared half to death. I walked out onto the porch, sat down, lit a cigarette, watched the stars come out one by one, sharp and bright against the black mountain sky. The Barnell's living quarters were back at the souvenir shop, and there were no lights showing in them. If their daughter Jenny was in her room, ill, she was back there in the dark. After a while, I went to my cabin. As I fumbled around for a light switch, I suddenly realized somebody was standing in the doorway. Reckon you're going to have to use an oil lamp tonight, Mr. Dollar. Generator's got a drive belt busted, and I ain't been able to get out to fetch one. 
Oh, I don't mind, Mr. Burnell. The lamp's there on the table. I'll light it for you now, and you can blow it out when you go to bed. Sure. All right, fine. Uh, you had not to pay no attention to the missus, what she said a while ago. Oh, I didn't realize she'd said anything. Well, she was telling me she spouted off some foolishness. Might be tucked wrong if a man was to pay any mind to it. Uh, if that gets to smoking, you'll have to turn it down some. Okay. Mrs. Bardell did seem a little upset, but she well, didn't... Well, that's all it. it is, Mr. Dollar, just upset. You know how women get sometimes. Just forget it. It's the best thing to do. Anything you need now before I leave you? No, no, nothing I can think of. Thanks anyway. Then I reckon I'll say goodnight. You can have your breakfast in the morning any time after about 7 o'clock. Jake Meager was telling me you have a daughter, Mr. Bardell. That's right. I, uh... I, I didn't notice her around anywhere this evening. Is she, she, uh... she's, she's in uh, Tucson for a few days. Oh? Yeah, she's in there visiting friends. Oh, I see. Well, then you're lucky to have your nephew here to help you while she's away. But... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it works out real good. He's been here for some time, I suppose. Oh, yeah, yeah, several weeks now. Mm -hmm. Seems to be a lot of help to you. Really takes hold of things. Uh... I don't know what I'd do without him. Well, I'll see you in the morning. Mr. Bardell. Yeah? Jake Meager told me your nephew just came yesterday. Jake drinks too much. He's always getting things mixed up. And Mrs. Bardell way. told me a little while ago that your daughter's out back in her room. Ill. Not in Tucson. Well, it's like I was saying. The missus is all upset. She, she just don't rightly know what she's saying. And one more thing. I noticed the front end of my car has been jacked up and the right front wheel's been taken off. The tire went flat. We'll fix it and put it back on in the morning. Good night, Mr. Dollar. Johnny Dollar. This is Jet Marsh, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, I've been waiting for you to call. The forest ranger come down to my cabin and said you was calling from one of the emergency phones. Figured it must be kind of important to It you. is, Jed. I'm at the fire patrol phone a mile below Primrose Camp, the Summit Road. Can you meet me here? This time of night, four mile across the ridge on foot? Well, you're a woodsman, aren't you? That's what you told me this afternoon. Well, I didn't feel... I just met the Bardells. You're a longtime friend of theirs, aren't you? Something wrong at Pops, please? I think there's something badly wrong. He and his wife are scared half to death for some reason. I haven't seen the daughter, and Pop and his wife have each told me a different story about her. That don't sound like them at all. Well, they're obviously under some kind of pressure. That so-called nephew seems to be running the show. I told you, Pop ain't got no nephew. He has now, Jed. You got any idea what's behind it, Mr. Dollar? Yes. I think it's tied in with a $100,000 payroll robbery, that wrecked car we found this afternoon, three murders, and... You'd better meet me up here as soon as you can. Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Primrose Camp, Arizona. To the Home Office, Mid-States Industrial Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Primrose Matter. Expense account continued. 
Jed Marsh, an old-time prospector, was a good friend of the Bardells, operators of the lonely tourist camp on a dead-end road high up in the Santa Rita Mountains. And I counted on that friendship to sway him. It did. He finally agreed to come. I hung up the Ranger patrol phone and sat down on a flat pine stump to wait for him. And I hoped it wouldn't be too long a wait. The night wind sang in the high branches overhead, and their shadows in the moonlight formed strange moving patterns of silver and black. It wasn't a good night for a jumpy imagination. I started to reach for a cigarette and matches. Get your hands up! He was behind me, and I couldn't see him. But I knew the voice. It was Pop Bardell's mysterious nephew. Get him up! Move! You're up late. So are you. Now, just keep him there now. We'll see if you got it. Uh-huh. I figured you'd be packing a rod. Self-protection. I understand there are a lot of snakes around here. Maybe you understand too much, Dollar. I suppose you followed me from the camp. You're a good supposer. Now, what's the game? Well, I'm a bird watcher, and I specialize in observing the quaint habits of the night-flying titmouse. <laughs> I want jokes. I'll tell you I want jokes. I... I guess I misunderstood you. Get up. Get up. You're not hurt. I appreciate you telling me. I asked you a question, Dollar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the game. You heard that phone conversation, didn't you? I heard it. And you know Who's about the guy you talked to? A friend of mine. An old prospector named Jed Marsh. I heard that. Why'd you get in touch with him? Well, now, he specializes in night-blooming uranium, so I thought we might combine our hobbies. Now, how much of this does it take to wise you up? Well, I, I, I think that one just might have done it. Why'd you want him to meet you here? I thought he might be useful. For what? For pointing out the roosting places of the night flying. All right, take it easy. Slap me once more with that rod and I may get mad. You're scaring me to death. There are worse ways to go. Dollar, them smart cracks are going to get you nothing but stitches. Stitches are what they're supposed to keep you Just on. keep asking. Relax, for... relax, relax. You know, I think I finally got you tagged. Now, what do you mean, Tagged. You're not Pop Bardell's nephew, and you don't come from Tulsa. Am I right so far? You're doing the talking. I think you came originally from Chicago or New York. But recently, you've just come west from Kansas City. You a cop, Dollar? No. And how come you... I've been trying to place you ever since I saw you this afternoon. Thinking back over police bulletins I've seen, mugshots, descriptions. Yeah. You're Spade Keller, aren't you? Go on, this is your story. You used to work with the Karzati mob. Then you went out of circulation for three years as a guest of the state. And when you got out, you apparently hooked up with Jipper Nitson and his gang. So you are a cop. Well, mister... I'm somebody who found that stolen car you ran off the cliff and tried to hide under a rock slide. If you found it, you must have been looking for it. I was looking for $100,000, that Kansas City payroll. The one you boys killed a couple of bank guards to get your hands on, remember? I'm just listening. Then, of course, you killed a state trooper down there at the highway when you crashed a roadblock. That's three murders, Spade. And nobody left now to pay for them but just you and the jipper. You know, they got to catch us first. Oh, they will. Or kill you trying to. If the cops don't do no better than you did, the... Hey, Dollar. Cops know about that car? Which car is that, Spade? You know which car, the one we buried in the rock slide. There's the ranger phone. Call him up and ask him. Maybe they'll be happy. You just keep it up, Dollar. This gun will still be in good shape when your head's got holes in it. I think maybe it's already happened. Now, what about it? You told the police about that car? You followed me, didn't you? You know I only made one call. 
Yeah, but you might have called them earlier. <sighs> Wouldn't that be kind of crazy? Then they'd get the hundred grand. You mean you... <sighs> so that's the game, huh? You and this pal of yours were figuring to knock us over and hijack that payroll for yourselves. I didn't say that. I figured you for a phony the minute you drove into the station this afternoon. That's why I had Bardell give you a cabin when you came back, and that's why I took a wheel off your car tonight. So I could have you or I could keep my good eye on you. See what you were up to. And now you think you know. Sure. You got a hunch we'd be holed up in here somewhere after we broke through that roadblock in the Nogales Highway. So you come up to snoop around and try to get your hands on that hundred thousand. Spade, you're a real smart boy. You found the car and then you tagged me. So you figured Primrose Camp for the hideout. How did the Bardells figure in it, Spade? And you sneaked down here tonight and phoned your pal, wanted him to come over to the camp and help you. Help you what, Dollar? You don't know where Jipper is, and you don't know where the money is. Now, what were you planning to do? I thought we might ask you. Yeah, I'll bet you did. Only it didn't work. No, it didn't work. Well, now there's nothing to do but just sit here and wait for your pal to show. To make sure you wait quiet! So I waited quietly. Being somewhat unconscious, there wasn't much else I could do. I'd been trying to stall Spade until Jed Marsh arrived, hoping to tip Jed off in some way before he walked into the trap. But I'd been outfoxed, outmaneuvered, and finally just plain out. For how long, I don't know. But it was too long to do Jed any good. When I came to, he was already in the parlor and the spider had pounced. What do you mean, get my hands up? You heard me, didn't you? You're done right, I heard you, but I... You ain't Mr. Dollar. What's going on here? Who the devil are you, anyhow? That you like a bullet right over your belt buckle. Now, you look here. Easy, Jed. Better do what he says. Mr. Dollar, what happened to you? The same thing that's going to happen to you if you don't get your hands up. What are you worried about, Spade? He's not even packing a gun. I suppose I make sure of that, huh? You're golden lucky I ain't got no gun, you shifty-eyed little sidewinder. Shut up. If I had one, I'd fill you so gall dang full of holes they would... You shoot me! You hurt, Jen. Uh, not as bad as he'll be when I pay him back for that. Get over there next to Dollar. Come on, snap it up! Uh, I'm mighty glad there's a moon tonight. Want to get that face of yours real clear in my mind, so's I'll know it next time I see it. So I, I told you to shut up. Better relax, Jud. Spade here's pretty jumpy. He's one of the last two left now, and he knows it's just a matter of time. What I gotta do, Dollar? Smash that head of yours clear open? I think you'd better go easy on that slugging stuff, Spade. About the next time you swing on one of us, the other one's gonna jump you. I was wondering if you had the same idea I had, Mr. Dollar. Either one of you makes a move, it'll be your last one. You see, Jen? He's jumpy. He and the chipper are up at Dead End Road. They got no place to go from here, and Spade knows it. Couple more days, they'll figure we got clear away from this part of the country. They won't be looking for us around here. That's when we'll leave, and we'll get away with it. Provided Jed and I don't tell him where you are. You won't. That's one thing I'm real sure of. This here varmint wouldn't be aiming through us in, would you, Mr. Dollar? I wouldn't be surprised if he had something like that in mind, Jed. Am I right, Spade? What have I got to lose? That's a very logical attitude. What he means, Jed, is the fact that the gang has already murdered three people. And since they can only hang Spade and the Jipper once, a couple of more killings won't matter very much. Matter some to me, seeing as I'm the big one of them. Oh, yeah, and to me, seeing as I'm the other... But that's Spade's problem, of course. Having two of us on his hands. 
Even with him having the gun, it's pretty touchy business. Right, Spade? Get on your feet, Dollar. Sure. We'll stay as far apart as he'll stand for, Jed, so he'll have to swing the gun wide. Shut up, Dollar. If he goes for me first, jump him fast. Sure, I got you. Seen it happen once in Tonopah during a gold strike in 19... Shut up, the both of you! Now, Spade's got an even worse problem, Jed. He's so scared and jumpy, he may even miss his first shot. Then he'll have both of us on him. Reckon I'd be jumpy, too, if I was standing there where he is. What are you talking about? Next to the edge of the cliff that way, close to all them boulders. What about them? Just snakes, that's all. Snakes? Oh, you shouldn't have told him, Jed. I was hoping he'd blunder onto one. Where's any snakes? Might be anywhere around you there. Along for sunup, when it starts getting chilly, they crawl in around the rocks and get warm. You city fellas ought to have a nurse to keep... Hey, hey, wait, wait a minute. I wouldn't move around much if I was you. Not without a flashlight. I haven't got a flashlight. Well, I have right here in my pocket. Now, if I... Hold it! Keep your hands up. I've seen that trick pull before. You throw the light in my eyes to give Dollar a chance to jump me. My, you've got a real suspicious nature, Spade. Snakes. There's probably no snakes within ten miles. What's that? Look out, Spade. Where? The other way. It's right there by your foot. Move back. Let me get the flash. I can't see what I'm... Not that way, Spade. You're going to step on it. No, no. Back, jump back. Which way? Look out, the cliff. You're going on the edge. He stepped back on that loose slab on the edge, Mr. Dollar. Yeah. Well, I was sure his last step, Jed. That must be a 400-foot drop there. I didn't aim for this to happen. I was just trying to upset him so as we could jump him. How'd you make that noise, anyway? With this. A set of old timber snake rattles stuck on a pine sliver. You just rub your thumb on it, and it starts them going. Use it sometimes to spook a tenderfoot. Well, you sure spook one tonight. Can't say I'm too sorry at that, Mr. Dollar. He wasn't aiming no good for us, and that's for dang sure. Three down now. Only the chipper himself is left. Funny about life sometimes, Mr. Dollar. That spade fellow went around striking out at people like a snake does. And he died the same darn way. All smashed on the rocks. Just like a snake dies. Johnny Dollar. This is Cal Mervin, State Police. Well, Lieutenant, they found you in a hurry. Sure, I was home in bed where any decent person would be this hour of the night or morning or whatever it is. You'll get no sympathy from me. I haven't even been to bed. What are you doing, Dollar? Living in a tree up there and using that Forest Service phone for your own private exchange? More or less. I've got another body for you, Lieutenant. That's a happy good morning. Who's this one? An ex-Chicago hood named Spade Keller. What did you do, kill him? No, he fell over a cliff, in a manner of speaking. That's three of the gang dead now. The only one left is Jipper Nitsen himself. Have you found him yet? No, but I think I will in the next hour or so. Dollar, I can't hold my men out of there any longer. I gotta move in. Give me till noon, Lieutenant. If I can take him myself, it may save an innocent person's life. He's a three-time killer already. I know, and you've been selling me that story for the last 12 hours. That's what's held me back. But I've got to have more details. All right. A friend who's with me, a prospector named Jed Marsh, will meet you here at the Forest Service phone in an hour. He'll be in a green station wagon. When did you get a hold of a green station wagon? We haven't yet. We're about to steal it. So long, Lieutenant. (laughs) 
Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Primrose Camp, Santa Rita National Forest, Arizona. To the Home Office, Mid-States Industrial Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Primrose Matter. Expense account, final page. The Jibbernitzen gang had held up an armored truck in Kansas City, killed two guards, and fled with a $100,000 payroll covered by insurance. I'd finally tracked them down in the Santa Rita Mountains of southern Arizona. Three of the gang were dead now, and only the jipper himself was still unaccounted for. But he was close around, that I was sure of, somewhere near the Primrose Tourist Camp where I was staying. A lonely layout on a dead-end mountain road run by old Pop Bardell and his wife, and their daughter Jenny, whom I still hadn't seen. It was nearly dawn when Jed Marsh and I got back to the camp. There was no sign of life. We'd taken the keys to Pop's station wagon from the dead gangster's pocket. Jed got into the station wagon and waited until I was over at the cabin, then started the motor. I was counting on the sound of the motor to bring somebody out into the open, and the plan worked, partly. But it wasn't the jibber who showed, it was Pompardell. Hey, what are you doing? Where are you going? He came running out of the living quarters behind the souvenir shop, tugging at his suspenders. Come back here. He didn't notice me until I walked up behind him. What the devil? What are you doing up? I'm an early riser. Anything wrong, Mr. Bardell? Wrong? Why, no. What do you think be wrong? I don't know. But I thought you seemed a little upset about something. Well, I was just... Do you happen to notice who was driving my station wagon, Mr. Dollar? I can't say I particularly noticed. I imagine it was your nephew, wasn't it? No, I didn't get out in time to see. Well, who else would it be? Your daughter, you told me, is in Tucson. There's nobody else here, is there? Except you and your wife? No, no, nobody else, huh? I just thought maybe I... I reckon it was him, all right. He don't seem to be around. Is he in the habit of taking your car without telling you, Mr. Bardell? No, of course not. He must have just gone after something. He'll be back in a little while. You know, it seems funny him having the keys to it. He's kind of taken over your place here, hasn't he? What do you mean? Well, taking your car the way he just did... And yesterday evening, when I wanted to rent a cabin for the night, you claimed they were all full, weren't going to let me have one until he stepped in and okayed it? Well, he's, he's my nephew, one of the family. Somehow, though, I can't quite picture you as a man who'd let any other member of his family run things. Unless, of course, you happen to be in a position where you had no choice. What are you talking about? I think you know. Well, of course I got a choice. Why wouldn't I have? Not one, though, that you'd probably care to make if I've got the setup here tagged right. You ain't no tourist, Dollar, and you ain't here looking for uranium. Who are you, anyhow? I'm a special investigator for an insurance company, the company that insured that $100,000 payroll that was stolen in Kansas City by Jipper Nitson and his gang. What's that got to do with anything here at Primrose? Quite a bit, Mr. Bardell, because this is where the gang hold up. The two of them who were left after they shot their way through that roadblock down on the Nogales Highway. You, you're crazy. I'd know it if, if there was any strangers around here. You did know it. One of the two was the man you claim was your nephew. Now, now wait a minute. Actually, I... he was a gangster by the name of Spade Keller. He's dead, by the way. Huh? He's dead? Yeah, that's right. It wasn't he that took your station wagon. It was a friend of yours, Jed Marsh. Jed? Why? What's he aiming to do? Meet the police on the road down below, tell them what the setup is here, and stall them off if he can. 
Long enough for me to have a try at taking Nitson without giving him a chance to hurt your daughter. What do you mean by that? Last night, your wife told me Jenny was in a room ill. You said she was in Tucson. One thing's sure, she wasn't around here anywhere. Neither was Jipper. I think he's been holding her as a hostage to keep you and your wife in line. That's why you had to let Spade Keller pass himself off as your nephew. No, 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 that ain't true. You're out of your mind. Am I? Jenny's in, in Tucson, like I told you. Your wife said she was here. Oh, she was upset. Sure she all. was. Sure she was, because of the danger to her daughter. The same reason that's got you upset. No, it ain't true. She'll have a lot better chance if you cooperate with me. Please get out of here, Dollar. Leave us alone. It wouldn't change things if I did. The police are going to move in at noon with 50 men and start a search... Chip is a three-time killer already. One more won't matter to him. I can't help you. Please don't ask me to. He'll use her as a hostage, a shield, and try to shoot his way out. She won't have a chance. Ooh. Your best hope is to tell me where he is. Help me get to him without arousing a suspicion. I can't do it. I can't take the chance. Yes, you can. Myra. Morning, Mrs. Mardell. He's a special investigator, Myra. He knows the whole thing. He, he says... Yes, I've been listening. I heard what he said. And he's right, too. Myra, that fellow Nitson said if we were I so I know much what as... he said. If we breathed one word of him being here to anybody, he'd kill Jenny first and then us. And I heard what Mr. Dollar just said, too. And he's right. We've got to take the chance for Jenny's sake. It's all we can do now. I don't know. I just don't know. With the police coming in like they are, it's out of our hands now. She's right, Mr. Bardell. You can't do anything about the inevitable. It's a matter now of doing what's best and safest for your daughter. What else do you suppose I've been thinking of for two days? It's still the only thing to think of. If I didn't agree with you, I wouldn't be here. I'd turn my information over to the police and let them go ahead and search the area. They'd get Nitson all right, but not before he killed her. Oh, no. But I think I can prevent that. The chipper doesn't know me. As far as he's concerned, I'm just another eastern tourist wandering around the mountains here. And because of that, I think I can get a lot closer to him than the police can without putting him on guard. Provided you'll help. He's right. We gotta do what he says. He's holed up in an old tunnel about a quarter mile back up the canyon there. They took some silver out in the old days. Not many folks even know about it. And your daughter's there with him? Yes, sir. Ma and me's been taking food to him twice today, making sure she's all right. And she has been. I guess he knowed that's the only hold he had over us. You haven't been there yet this morning, have you? No, he don't expect us for around ten. Well, maybe by that time, if things go all right, he'll have more to worry about than whether he gets his breakfast or not. What are you aiming to do, Mr. Dollar? Make an early morning prospecting trip up that canyon. I'll take a pick, a Geiger counter, anything to help look the part. Now, here, I'll leave my gun with you, Mr. Bardell, and my wallet. You're going up there without no gun? Sunday prospectors from the east don't carry them. Wish me luck. I laughed a little while later with a complete kit and dressed to fit the part, even including a couple of sandwiches and a canteen of water to show I was planning to spend a full day in the hills. At the end of an hour, I was working my way down the canyon, shipping rock samples here and there, testing with a Geiger counter, apparently without a care in the world. The brush-covered entrance to the tunnel was only a few yards ahead of me, but I made a point of deliberately ignoring it. Finally, the mouth of the tunnel was only a few feet away. I pushed aside the brush as though to get at the canyon wall, then pretended to see the tunnel for the first time. I pushed aside some more brush, and I stepped inside. After a moment's hesitation, I fished out my flashlight and started walking back in from the entrance. I hadn't gone far before I got results. Oh. Oh. I went 
out like a light. You didn't have to hit him. He's just some prospector who stumbled in here accidentally. Relax, kid. He's just knocked out. You didn't have to hit him like that. I can't afford to take chances. I'm going out the entrance to make sure he was alone. If he comes to you, call me. The blow had been sharp, but without much force. I was out only for a matter of seconds, but I went on playing possum. I waited now until he was out of earshot. Jenny. You're conscious. You know my name. Take it easy. I don't want him to hear us. But who are you? What are you... Never mind. There's no time. Just don't worry. I'm here to get you out of this. But how? He's a killer. A gangster. I know who he is. Look. Has he got that money here with him? That he stole in Kansas City? Yeah. Yeah, I'd sent some canvas sacks back inside the tunnel, Father. What difference does that make? Plenty. That's what I was hired to recover. Hired to... I don't understand. Oh, well, I'll tell you later. Now, if you'll keep your head and give me a little help, we've got a good chance of getting you. Wait. He's coming back. All right, listen. Maneuver him four or five yards away from me with his back turned and keep him that way for just five seconds. I'll do the rest. Got it? Yeah, but I don't know if I can. Never mind the if. Just do it. All right. Don't let him know I'm conscious. That guy's still on? Yeah, I, I think maybe he's dying. Then let him. Come on, get away from him, leave him alone. It's inhuman to treat anybody that way. Oh, shut up, I got problems of my own. How much longer are you going to keep me here? I get a hunch that something is wrong. Things just don't feel right this morning. If I thought this guy had something to do with Jipper, it, I... Jipper, I asked you how much longer... And I said shut up! How'd you like to make me shut up? Huh? How do you mean that? Suppose you come here and find out. Well, now. Took you two days, but you're finally starting to soften up. My hand closed over a rock almost as big as a baseball, weighing over half a pound. And I came slowly to my feet. Chipper whirled around, going for his gun. What's the devil? I aimed for his head. All right, Jenny. He can pick up his gun. But look how he's bleeding. You've killed him. No. No, I haven't killed him. But I imagine the state will. <laughs> Expense account item 12, $309.45. Incidentals in Arizona and transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, $914.15. Remarks? The state eventually did. Kill him, I mean. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's story. Ever chase a phantom? Well, believe me, I have. And I will next week in the Phantom Chase Matter. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Les Crutchfield, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Marvin Miller, Junius Matthews, Herb Ellis, D.J. Thompson, 
Herb Butterfield, Tony Barrett, and Barbara Eiler. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking. Welcome back. This was a solid serial. It was definitely more suspense than mystery, but still really entertaining. Compared to all the serials we've heard, I think this one is probably right uh, in the middle of the pack. But given the quality of the serials, that's still a very solid ranking. But I think that the serial had a standout uh, sequence in episode four in the confrontation with Spade Keller, the way Johnny in particular ratcheted up the pressure on him and played off his nervousness really was classic and an example of Johnny being able to exert himself even though he didn't have the gun and seemed to be at the disadvantage. And it led up to a really big moment that set up the final serial quite nicely. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we have some comments regarding the Meg's Palace matter from YouTube. Ronser writes, what a great serial this is. Talk about a memorable character. And Sandra says, radio at its best. And then we have a review on Good Pods. Alexis writes, this one had a great story arc. And unlike many radio mystery crime shows of the era, the reveal was unexpected for the most part. Though the young sailor took so long to say who he was working for, you knew he would get killed before he spilled the beans. You definitely knew he was going to die. It it is one of those tropes where a witness dies right before they can spill the beans. But the way Johnstone did that in that story is not a way you should do it unless you're doing a spoof. Because I have heard and seen stories where... The witness is about to tell what they know, the shot rings out, and then the witness is dead, and you're stunned. At some point, when Johnny was talking to the sailor, I got to the point of, all right, where is that bullet going to be coming from? Thank you so much. Appreciate the review, Alexis. And another listener on YouTube writes, love your accent. And then we have a new review on the Apple Podcast Store. This one coming from J. Jersey C., who writes, So happy to be introduced to Johnny Dollar through this podcast. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate you taking the time to leave that review on Apple Podcast. 
Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And as it is the first Friday in March, we are going to go ahead and thank those Patreon supporters who have been supporting the podcast for five years this month. Thank you to Monica and Kevin supporting the podcast at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you to Becky, supporting the podcast at the Seamus level of $4 or more per month. And to Robert, supporting the show at the Rookie level of $2 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for generously supporting the podcast for these past five years. And that will actually do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software and be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We will be back on Tuesday with another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Join us back here tomorrow for Dragnet, where... Max. Joe. You're in deep this time. You shot a cop. I didn't. This guy was with me. I didn't fire once. You were in on the job. Yeah. Then don't expect presents. I don't expect anything, Joe. Glad you came back. I, I don't want to talk to those other cops. I work in the same department they do, same job. Well, it's easier to talk to you. What's your story? I was crazy to try it. No alibis, Joe, but I, I didn't know what I was doing. Believe me, I, I just didn't realize. I won't buy it, Max. You told me the same thing 14 months ago when they picked you up for those bum checks you were passing. Sure, I hung some paper, but I'm no hood, Joe. You know that. Uh, I was drinking. I needed dough for Dorothy and the kids. You gotta believe me. I need a break. You said that before, too. I went to bat for you, got off with six months and three years probation. Now you turn up with another caper. I know, Joe, I know. I'm sorry. You're sorry once, Max, and it works, but one free ride's enough for anybody. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.